Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again. This is Steve Wilson, and we're back. We're still going through Matthew uh, in chapter 7. We have worked our way through the um, Sermon on the Mount, and we're, we're getting into the last bit of it in chapter 7. He finishes it up. Uh, we're in. We're going to be getting beginning today in um, Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and there's kind of four different divisions in this section to finish this up and I really hope we're able to squeeze this all in um, in one segment Uh, if not I guess we'll have to spread it out over two but I hope we can get through all of it here so let's just kind of jump into it first of all I want you to notice in verses 13 and 14 there are two opposite ways that he mentions. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So you have the wide gate, or the broad gate, or and the narrow gate. Um, and he says, interestingly, of course, the broad gate leads to destruction. Um, but he says, there's, you know, and many there be which go in thereat. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. I was, you know, I, I always thought America, I mean, it, it, it is based upon Christian principles. And I always thought we had a good, solid Christian foundation. The last few elections uh, and leadership that we have in place uh, nowadays in some of the states and the things that they espouse anymore. Um, I'm convinced that, that they're in a the majority. The, those who are going to Broadway are, are definitely in the majority, and uh, America has gone beyond the tipping point. And I think it's just a matter of time until this nation either falls or God rejects it or, of course, Christ returns, whatever the case you know, I've always heard, and in my own study, I find this to be true, that when you start looking at end-time prophecy and so on, America is not included. It's never mentioned. You don't you don't see it in there anywhere. And I've always kind of wondered about that because America is by far and away the most powerful nation that there's ever been. And yet we don't play a role in the end times. And we do still have a lot of Christians in America so I wondered how that could be the case, but what I've learned is that it doesn't mean that there is no Christianity in America anymore. It simply means that leadership is corrupt, and and if you have events that are going on in the Middle East and you know all the things that prophecy talks about, um, if you have leadership in America that decides, you know, we're just going to be an isolationist or it's not our problem, we're not going to be involved. Um, 
then we're, we're taken out of the equation. And then we become subject, of course, to all the uh, pitfalls that occur as a result of the, the end times prophecies and so on. So, you know, why is it that, that, that people choose to go that way? Well, you know, there are a lot of attractions, worldly attractions, pleasures, popularity. Um, it's the easiest way. And the majority of the crowd goes that way. I've always said this, that one of the things that always amazed me, they talked about uh, years ago, Dennis Rodman, and how he was, if you know anything about him, he was a professional basketball player, and he's just really freaky. Uh, and I'm not going to go into all that. But everybody always said, well, see, now Dennis Rodman, he just he walks to the beat of a different drum. He, he, he follows his own path. That couldn't, that, that's something, that couldn't be any further from the truth. He's taking the easy way out. He's, he's, he's following what his flesh desires. It's easy to do what the flesh desires. What's hard is to stand against the flesh because the flesh is sinful. And to deny the flesh and to stand for God. Dennis Rodman was, was, was not beating, walking to the beat of his, uh, his own drum. He was, he was taking the easy way out. And there's a lot of, lot of people that do that simply because it allows them to just do as they please. Um, and, and so you look around and the majority of the people these days, that's the way they're doing. That's the way they're going. But I got to tell you, it's, it's wonderful to take that narrow way because you're going to inspire others. And in spite of the hardships and in spite of it being the unpopular way, you're going to be happy you did it if you choose to follow Christ. Don't let the world entice you. And then you get into verses uh, 15 through 20. Um, and, you know, we had the two opposite ways. Now we have the two opposite teachers or prophets, whatever you want to call them. Um, beware of the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly um, they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Uh, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. These, these are, you know, you got false teachers and you got true teachers. And the, the test to prove the false and the true teachers is to inspect their fruit. <coughs> <coughs> Uh, wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. It's pretty easy to see, really, if you just kind of take a step back <clears throat> from what's being taught these days and take a look at, <clears throat> at what is going on in the lives of these false teachers. Uh, you know, a lot of them are teaching, of course, you know, I know there's satanic teachers and all that. Those things are obvious. Um, and I'm, I'll probably get into this a little bit more, you know, about the deception, but um, you have these prosperity gospel and word of uh, word of faith teachers and so on, and and they come at you with a lot of scripture and a lot of you know godly type talk and that sort of thing. But um, you know when you take a look at the way that Christians live and the, the the things they value, they're very different than what these guys do. These these guys are flying around in in a fleet of jets and. You know, they have multi-million dollar mansions and, and several properties. And um, I saw recently where Kenneth Copeland said he wants to be the first billionaire evangelist. Well, you know, that's insane. 
um, to make a statement like that. That's, that's just absurd. Uh, you know, if you look at their lifestyle and you look at the things they're doing, there's nothing biblical about it. Um, they don't represent God. They're not out there sacrificing for the Lord and giving their lives to serve Him. They're raking in the bucks. That's what it's all about. And they're, they're, they're bilking the people who are trying to follow them. Um, and, and it's really pretty obvious if you take a look at, at what they do and how they live. So, you know, try to try to step back and listen to these teachers um, and look at their lifestyles and look at the things that they value. You know, we've already talked about where your, your heart is, you know, <clears throat> where their treasure is there will your heart be also. Um, if you look at the things that are of value to them, you'll see where their true treasure is. And it's not in the kingdom of heaven. That's certainly not. Then uh, we get into, uh, let's see, verses, uh, verse 21. And you have uh, the two opposite professions. You have a true profession and a false profession. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worketh, ye that work iniquity. Um, you know, you, there's going to be people who possibly believe they're saved, and maybe some of these prosperity guys think they are. But, you know, the truth is, is going to find them out. They're going to stand before God someday and answer, you know, what's really in their heart. And God knows what's in their heart. Um, and, they're, you know, they're going to be making this very claim. Look, I, Lord, Lord, I, you know, I prophesied in your name, et cetera, et cetera. But it was all fake. It wasn't true. The true profession is the one who is true in word and deed. Um, I'm going to focus on, on uh, verse 23 here just for a moment because to me that is one of the hugest verses in Scripture, one of the biggest verses in Scripture. Um, because it says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Because you, you find there are a lot of people who believe that you can lose your salvation. You know, and I'm, I'm not trying to pick on people because I, I believe I know people who believe that, that that I think really are truly saved they're just misled but the fact is based on what the scripture says here when you stand before God you know you're not going to be able to uh, he's not going to say well I used to know you uh, and now I don't he says I never knew you um, you know the person that claims to have lost their salvation they never knew Christ in the first place because he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I, I think this verse makes very clear that, you know, you get saved and you, you, you stay saved. But it has to be a genuine salvation. Now, I know there's this whole argument about how, yeah, I know you Baptists claim you can just, you can get saved and do whatever you want. Because once saved, always saved. No, we don't believe that. We don't believe the heart will let you do it. If you're truly saved, we don't believe the Holy Spirit is going to allow you to do that because he indwells you and he's going to convict you of that sin. He's going to, he's going to guide you away from it. Are there people who backslide? Are there people who slip? Yes, yeah, sure there are. 
that doesn't mean they've lost their salvation. It means they've they've fallen away. It doesn't fallen away doesn't mean salvation lost. It just means you're being disobedient to God. Uh, he says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who's built his house upon a rock. And that now we get into the last few verses where, um, you know, we've had the two opposite ways. We've had the two opposite teachers. We've had the two opposite professions. Now we have two opposite foundations. You know, what are you really building your foundation on? Notice what it says. Uh, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Look, a building is no better than its foundation. And there's a lot of people who are building their eternal hope on the sands of false belief and, and the sands of, of good works. Look, good works are great. In fact, he says here, you know, if you believe in them, you're going to do good works. <coughs> but good works don't get you to heaven. It's what's in your heart. Um, you know, <clears throat> if you're building your house on grains of sand, you're building your house on... Uh, Rituals, church membership, church attendance, baptism, communion, other functions like that. First uh, Corinthians three eleven says, "Other foundations can no man lay that is laid, which is Christ Jesus." My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Look, you know, the only place you can go to find salvation is in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're trusting in anything but that. If if you if you've never come to a point in your life when you realize you're a sinner, and you and you know that uh, Jesus Christ came and died for you, and it's His blood that washes you free, and you've given your life to Him, then you're not saved. It's as simple as that. All the good deeds in the world don't cut it. All the church attendance in the world don't cut it. Now, good deeds follow. Um, church attendance should follow. In fact, we're commanded, you know, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. These are all things that a Christian should be doing, but they come after salvation, um, not before. And then it closes out, it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, people <coughs> today don't respect Christianity the way they used to. They certainly don't respect the church. They certainly don't respect God's Word the way they used to. Uh, and it's crying shame that that's the case. But, you know, when you when you really listen to what God has to say to you, when you really get into His Word, when you really begin to understand, when, when you give your life to Christ, everything changes. It's amazing how how Scripture opens up to you and how, how your mind sees things differently, how your whole life changes simply because you now have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you meet Jesus, everything is different than the way it used to be. Your life is totally new. You're a new creation. Uh, you, <clears throat> you've been born again. You're bought by the blood. You're now a child of Christ, and you've been adopted into the family of God. So I certainly hope that this... Uh, this lesson has helped you a little bit. Sorry for my voice being a little bit raspy, but um, 
such as it is. There you have it. And um, we'll pick up in Matthew chapter 8 next time. Thank you. God bless.